Welcome back to Rarely Heard, a nine-part series that's all about Hunter Syndrome, a rare and life-changing disease. This podcast is initiated and funded by Takeda Pharmaceuticals. In this series, we want to provide caregivers and patients with a comprehensive overview of Hunter Syndrome and share the perspectives of experts and parents of children with the disease. Rarely Heard is intended for an international audience outside the USA and UK. In this episode, we're delighted to have another parent join us. Mr. Avram Joseph is from the USA and is the founder of a company that helps patients with rare diseases. Avram's eldest son, Kalel, has the neuronopathic form of Hunter syndrome, and he has kindly agreed to share his family's story and some practical advice with us. Before we get started, a quick note that Avram calls Hunter syndrome by its alternative name, MPS2. Hello, Avram. Thank you so much for joining us today. We feel incredibly privileged to hear your first-hand experiences with a severe form of Hunter syndrome. To start things off, would you mind introducing yourself and your family? Hello, and thank you for having me. My name is Avram Joseph, and I have a beautiful wife, Monica. We've been together for 14 magical years and have three amazing children, Kalel, Logan, and Anaya. Our lives changed forever on April 29, 2016, when my oldest Kalel was diagnosed with MPS2 after his third birthday. To tell you more about our family, I'd like to think of myself as a fairly passive guy. I'm happy most of the time. My wife, Monica, she's the true blessing in our family. She's the sweetest lady you'll ever meet with a heart of gold. She's definitely the rock of our family. Anaya is our warrior princess. She's only a few months old, but I can already tell she's going to be something special. Logan is our seven-year-old, whom we named after Wolverine. He's the younger big brother who takes pride in keeping our family balanced with his sense of humor and tenacious personality. Kalau, our eight-year-old, is named after Superman. He's the wild child of our family. <laughs> he keeps us on our toes. We gave him the nickname Sour Patch Kid because first he's sour, and then he's sweet. One of the sweetest kids you'll ever meet, actually. His smile lights up the room. Kalau is also the loudest one in our family, and he shows off his skills bright and early every morning. When you put us all together, we're the superhero family. After Kalau was diagnosed, Monica and I founded the MPS Superhero Foundation. We raise funds for research, help affected families in need, emotionally or financially, and of course, raise awareness. We've been active in the MPS community since 2016. We have presented and advocated at conferences and hospitals and talked to healthcare providers and other parents as well. The superhero family certainly sounds like a very appropriate name for you all. And it's fantastic to hear how much you have contributed to the MPS community. Going back to Kalel, you mentioned that he was diagnosed after his third birthday. Could you tell us more about how he was diagnosed? Sure. Kalel was born on January 6, 2013. Monica noticed that even as a newborn, Kalel had a slight breathing issue. We've never met a newborn who snored. It wasn't out of control and didn't seem life-threatening, but it did raise some concerns. As any parent would, we made the necessary appointments. Referrals were issued and specialists were seen. We were told the same thing across the board. This is common in boys. He'll grow out of it. Kalau also had childhood problems like ear infections, umbilical hernia, 
hydrocele, tonsils, and adenoids. When your child has all of the common issues, things don't seem common anymore. Monica was already raising concerns to the pediatricians when Kalel was a month old, but these were dismissed. By six months, she insisted on a referral to an ENT specialist who took five minutes to examine Kalel and assured us that he would stop snoring by the age of one. After Kalel turned one, we saw the ENT specialist again. He was still not concerned. By two, Kalel started speech and occupational therapy because his mom was worried about his clumsiness and speech delay. Kalel also developed hydrocele and an umbilical hernia, so we consulted a pediatric surgeon who was very well known in our area. He advised surgery and sent us to the front desk to schedule it. Personally, I thought nothing more of it because I also had a similar procedure as a kid, but something didn't feel right to Monica. Call it her mother's intuition, but she wanted a second opinion. The surgeon wasn't a bad guy. He was actually really nice. I thought to myself, what procedure could another surgeon do that this one can't? But I also thought, happy wife, happy life. So we met another surgeon. She did something different from every other doctor we saw. She said, let's start from the beginning. Tell me everything you've noticed about Kalau and any history of disease in your family. Before we could leave her office, she made a schedule and appointment with the geneticist because she saw the bigger picture and suspected an underlying issue. When the geneticist laid eyes on Kalau, he immediately told us he thought Kalau had MPS1. He pointed out Kalau's claw-like hands, coarse features, enlarged head, and short stature. Of course, I told him he was wrong. I said, Kalau has his great-grandfather's hands, his grandfather's eyebrows, and his mother's head. And he's Hispanic, so he's supposed to be a little short. I was furious because I was scared. How could I not be afraid? I searched MPS on Google and the word mucopolysaccharidosis wasn't even in my vocabulary. I didn't understand what the internet was saying, but I knew what death before teenage years meant and losing the ability to walk, talk, and eat independently. This isn't something any parent wants to even think about. I had to stay positive and keep hope and faith close by. About four to six weeks later, I was right. Kalel was negative for MPS1. But the geneticist said he was sure Kalel would test positive for MPS2. It was a big blow. Just when I started getting excited about being right, I was shocked to find out there was another MPS Kalel could have. Another four to six weeks passed. Each second felt like an eternity. Finally, we went back to get the results. Monica and I brought our mothers along for support to watch the kids. We held hands walking into the doctor's office. He turned to Monica and said, Mom, repeat after me. This is not my fault. I felt an instant tight squeeze of my hand and the sound of my wife bursting into tears. Think of a war movie with people screaming and dying, bombs and bullets going off, and the camera focusing on one soldier who's in a trance. It was one of those surreal moments in life where your vision goes hazy and you just can't snap out of it. Walking into the lobby, we didn't need words to share the news. Our mothers just looked at us and they knew. For future reference to all the doctors listening, the geneticists could have chosen a better way to tell us, in my opinion. 
Other than some basics online, Monica and I didn't know much about MPS. The doctor's words created more confusion. I was thinking, does that mean Kalel tested positive? Is this my wife's fault? And if so, how? And as Monica squeezing my hand, I couldn't even begin to imagine what she was feeling at the time, being presented with, mom, repeat after me, it's not my fault. I'm sure the doctor meant well, and it's definitely hard to be the bearer of bad news, but I would have preferred to hear something like, I have bad news. I'm sorry to tell you, your son does have MPS too. And I know this is a lot to take in, and please feel free to interrupt me with any questions. He could have been more sensitive to Monica by saying something like, MPS2 could be because of a spontaneous mutation, or you could possibly be a carrier. I would recommend that you seek genetic testing. This would have also been a good time to tell us about the National MPS Society because they provide so much support after diagnosis. Trust me, as a MPS parent, you're going to need that support. Walking out of the clinic that day, we didn't know if Kalel had the attenuated or severe form of the disease. But soon enough, we learned that if there's any sign of cognitive delay, the child is deemed severe. Suddenly, we began to see the extent of Kalel's cognitive delay more clearly. My advice to other parents is that, first and foremost, early intervention is key. If you think you see any signs or symptoms, get them checked out. And don't stop there. Nowadays, there are websites that could give possible diagnosis by checking symptoms. Remember, you are your child's most important advocate. No one else will fight for your child the way you will. Good point. Unfortunately, this complicated diagnostic odyssey is very typical for patients with rare diseases, which must be incredibly frustrating. Thank you for sharing that difficult experience with us. How is Kalel now, and how is his condition being managed? Today, Kalel is doing incredibly well. Uh, he's a big boy now at eight years old, although his cognitive level never passed that of a four-year-old. In the last few years, he's had multiple surgeries, including carpal tunnel release on his hands and fingers, tarsal tunnel release on his ankles, and Achilles tendon lengthening as well. All these procedures had to be done under anesthesia, which is very high risk for children with MPS2, or any other child for that matter. Kalel receives behavioral speech, occupational, and physical therapy. He was prescribed hearing aids, but it's a mission to get him to wear them. He received Botox injections, followed by casting to correct his tiptoe walk. He also uses assistive therapy like AFOs or uh, ankle foot orthosis and hand casts, but he won't wear any of them for as long as he needs to. Kalel gets enzyme replacement therapy, but we originally opted out of using a port. The IV placement has been a bit of a challenge, but once it's in, he's pretty good about remaining in the hospital bed. But for several infusions now, he's had to get multiple pokes in one sitting. After seeing that, we ultimately felt the port would give Kalel a better quality of life. It's one of the toughest decisions we made. A port procedure is scheduled for the end of this month. Through the tears and nonstop research, we're hoping we made the right choice. He has to see a long list of specialists regularly. There is the pulmonologist, cardiologist, neurologist, neurosurgeon, ophthalmologist, physiatrist, allergy specialist, orthopedic specialist, 
ENT specialist, geneticist, behavioral therapist, speech pathologist, occupational therapist, and physical therapist. He visits most of them at least two times a year. He also undergoes a sleep study, MRI, EKG, X-ray, pulmonary checkup, hearing test, and heart checkup twice a year. For any other families going through this, I'd recommend you make a checklist to follow up on appointments. Preventative care is best, and keeping your own agenda helps you stay on top of things. When Kalel has his therapies and appointments, Monica and I take turns to go with him while the other parent stays at home. If that's not possible, we bring Logan along. But with him there, Kalel has trouble keeping calm in the waiting room. He gets really excited around his little brother. The kid's grandparents were very involved and helpful, and a few cousins were always up for looking after Kalel for a few hours. But we've recently relocated to California and experienced the more challenging side of life. There's not much help available for day-to-day activities, and we haven't been able to take many breaks. It's been tough to say the least. Taking care of Kalel is like looking after five kids at the terrible two stage. Nowadays, we try our best to get everything done and prioritize important things, but we sometimes fall behind from exhaustion. That is really tough. And staying on top of all those appointments and treatments would be a challenge for anyone. Looking more at the neuropathic aspect of the disease, would you mind telling us about Kalel's cognitive symptoms and whether these have changed over time? Yeah. The cognitive symptoms started when Kalel was around 18 months and began developing his speech. We noticed a bit of delay. Even though he technically met the number of words required for his age, we just knew he was delayed. We got him evaluated and started on speech therapy when he was two years old. Kalel still has trouble learning new things and needs a lot of assistance to complete simple tasks. At about two years old, he was almost fully potty trained but refused to use the potty. His attention span is also very limited. Kalel started school at the age of three and a half, just after diagnosis. He slowly gained new skills until about the age of five, when he plateaued. Fortunately, Kalel has not regressed, but he isn't progressing either. Kalel has what we call a bubble burster type of personality. (laughs) If you think of your personal space as a bubble, Kalel will be the one to burst it. Once he's comfortable with you, he's in your face. If you don't look him in the eye, he'll pull your chin to get your attention. And because of his claw-like hands, sometimes his nails go right through the skin. Obviously, he doesn't understand that he's hurting you. So we've gotten better at bobbing and weaving over the years. Kalel has always been a little rough and can hurt others because he doesn't understand his strength. Although sometimes he does do it for attention. As he gotten older and stronger, he can unintentionally hurt someone pretty badly. When he doesn't get what he wants, he gets very upset and begins to whine. He is hyperactive, which makes it difficult to get him to sit still and teach him. He used to be able to sit through a short story, but now that's very challenging. Another behavior that sticks out is that he'll repeat his sentences while talking, almost like he wants to make sure you've understood. When you respond, He'll stop, most times. When Kalel is tired, he gets destructive and brings out his infamous delirious laugh. That's a sign in our family to run for cover. (laughs) The only thing that helps is a nap. Even as an eight-year-old, he still naps. Sometimes 
we dragged the younger big brother Logan in to play pretend nap time and help Kalel calm down and stop fighting sleep. Logan's a huge help, always understanding and very involved with his brother's day-to-day life, especially when he sees Kalel bringing out his wild side. Thanks for sharing some of Kalel's behaviors and cognitive symptoms. As a parent, it must be emotionally draining at times to face all these challenges. How do you and your family support each other through difficult times? We try to focus on the positives, our blessings. On the hardest days, this really gets us through. Kaleo is the happiest boy you will ever meet, and he can do so many things that the doctor said he wouldn't be able to do. He can communicate with us and has so many people who love him. He holds no grudges and doesn't know what it means to be angry. Most importantly, he's still here with us. That alone holds weight over all the negatives. As parents, we have to come to terms with the fact that he will never have a typical life and he will experience many challenges that we have no control over. Kalel has already had more procedures than most people will in a hundred years. It's difficult, but I believe that if there's something you can do about a situation, do it. And if you can't do anything, stop worrying. We have learned to be proactive, educated ourselves, and we give Kalel the care he deserves. To sidetrack for a moment, Another challenge many parents like us face is when planning to have more children. Our daughter Anaya was born five years after Kalel's diagnosis. Although we had thought about IVF for a future child, life never goes as planned. <laughs> Anaya came along as a wonderful surprise, but as you can imagine, we were also terrified that MPS would affect the baby. The moment we found out Monica was expecting, we made appointments with a high-risk OBGYN and a genetic counselor. There was a 50% chance a boy would have MPS too. So they tested the baby's sex at 12 weeks. At that point, another test could determine the baby's MPS status, but that test itself was risky. We were glad to know about all the testing options available, but decided that we would keep the baby no matter what. So we only wanted the sex determination tests. When the results showed we were having a baby girl, it lifted a weight off of our shoulders. <laughs> Anaya could still be a carrier and pass MPS2 to her children, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We'll have time to find solutions. I can only imagine what technology will look like 30 years from now. <laughs> Unfortunately, Families don't always get the support they need, and IVF can be really expensive. My advice is not to give up on having more children if that's what you want. It won't be easy, but it's very rewarding. Super siblings are some of the most compassionate and caring humans I've ever met. Getting back to Kalel, <laughs> with his severe disease, it is very difficult to visit people because of their reaction to his behavior. We feel more comfortable spending time around people who understand him, have more patience with him, and won't just ignore him, push him away, or even get upset with him. Kalau is a very loving and affectionate kid. He loves to hug and kiss his family over and over again, and constantly seeks attention. We try our best to give him the attention he needs and allow him to show his affection, 
But when around others, we try to direct his attention towards ourselves so that others don't feel uncomfortable or lose their patience. Sometimes it hurts to watch others feel bothered by his bubble bursting personality because we know he just wants some love like anyone else does. It's essential for parents to find people who truly love your child and have that patience. Ask those people for help so that you know your child will be well taken care of. Sometimes family or friends may offer to help, and it might be a kind gesture and nothing more, but if you trust a person, pull their card and put them to the test. For us, there are not many people we would leave Kala with in a social setting because it's difficult to control him. And changing the diaper of an eight-year-old is a real challenge in public places. Even if you don't have family or friends to turn to, you must reach out to someone for help before feeling overwhelmed and having a mental breakdown. Your country or insurance might even have some assistance programs. Once in a while, as a stress reliever, I wait until everyone is asleep and I sneak out the house. I walk down the driveway and get in my car. I hold on tight to the steering wheel and I just scream. I breathe in through my nose, out through my mouth, relax my shoulder and close my eyes. Honestly, it's like a bottle of soda when you first crack it open. I'm not a therapist, but this definitely helps me relieve some of the buildup emotions. Yes, it's so important to find ways to relieve stress and acknowledge that sometimes you do need help. You've brought up good points about why a strong support network is so essential, and other parents of children with rare diseases have also found social interactions particularly challenging. Have you experienced issues when Kalel interacts with people who are not familiar with the disease? Yes. <laughs> With his bubble-bursting personality and repeating himself over and over again, some people give us the look, the, um, come get your kid off of me look. <laughs> We've had to educate some nieces and nephews to explain why Kalau kept pushing them into bushes or didn't throw the ball back or why he would repeat himself a million times. It does hurt us to see other kids try to get away from him because they feel that he is annoying and bothering them. We try our hardest to advocate for him, but it can be hard to constantly be on alert that your child may upset or offend someone, especially when we know he doesn't mean it and he's actually a good kid. We found it very useful to connect with another family in the rare disease community and support each other. It really helps to talk to someone in a similar situation. I recommend that families join an MPS Facebook group and find another family who lives near you. You'll be surprised by how many people face similar challenges and are looking to connect with others just like you. Yes, I understand how incredibly stressful it can be as a parent. But there must be some positive and rewarding aspects to your journey as well. Would you please share any of the silver linings you've experienced? It sounds like you're defining what my wife and I like to call collateral beauty. Like a rose growing from the concrete. Something so devastating has happened to us, yet the sun still shines through. A huge chunk of collateral beauty comes from the MPS community. We are random strangers across the world, banded together by a horrifying disease that's taking control of our children. Somehow, 
we are the only ones who truly understand one another. I cannot stress enough the importance of the National MPS Society, especially for newly diagnosed families. It is literally a one-stop spot for everything. They have a real talent for bringing the community together and are true advocates for us all on every level. And then there are our family and friends who have been with us through thick and thin. Although they don't know the exact emotions we're going through, they are there for us. They've been there in the fundraisers, campaigns, long hours at events, and most importantly, they opened their big hearts for my son and family. Words could never describe how we feel about them. The true goosebumps also come from the complete strangers who just want to help in any way they can. There's a group back home in Miami that we call the Avengers because of all the superhero work they've done together as a team. MPS is a horrible way to bring people together, but that's what it has done. My 14-year-old niece in Charlotte, North Carolina, she also started the Making People Smile Foundation, or MPS Foundation for short. She did it in honor of her cousin, Kalau. In terms of future aspirations for Kalau, I've come to accept that my child will never be typical. And to be frank, even I'm not a very typical person, and I'm okay with that. My only wish is to give my son the best possible quality of life and give him more years than research suggests is possible. For other families and future diagnosis, I hope mandatory newborn screening is passed and the best treatment for our boys becomes available in time to save as many of our kiddos as possible. My philosophy is to keep it simple and never give up on hope for a better quality of life. Your child is counting on you. No matter how bad the situation is, no matter how severe an illness gets, no matter what any doctor or the internet tells you, hold on to your hope. We can't control or fix everything in our kids' lives as much as we'd like to. Sometimes the best we can do is hold tight to hope and strive for a better quality of life. Don't be too hard on yourself. Just be there for your kid. When life begins to hit hard, just think of Dory from Finding Nemo, who holds all of life's secrets in one phrase. Just keep swimming. Collateral beauty, what a powerful expression. It is heartwarming to hear how many people you've found to help your family. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. Before you go, Avram, would you mind just giving us a final takeaway message? It's wild. It's scary. It's memorable. It's fast. It's life. The past is history. The future is a mystery. And the present is a gift. So enjoy while it lasts. Make the best of right now so that when the future comes, you will always be able to look back at the memories and smile. You don't need superpowers to be a superhero. And whether your child tells you or not, you are their superhero. Make them smile. And in turn, you'll be smiling too. Thank you so much, Avram, for sharing your story with us. I'm sure our audience will learn a lot from hearing about your first-hand experience. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of the Rarely Heard podcast. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the heartwarming story of Avram and his family. 
Join us next time for the final episode of the Rarely Heard podcast, where we will provide a quick recap of the series and a roundup of everything we have learned about Hunter syndrome. This podcast series is initiated and funded by Takeda Pharmaceuticals and is intended for an international audience outside the USA and UK.